I'm so jealous. <laughs> Just a few more days. Can babe. I smell it? Yes. Oh, man. 11 more months. Oh, it smells good. Is this that brood IPA again? Yes. 11 more months. <laughs> it's delicious. Sorry, guys. Middle Brow Brood IPA will be the juice that Julie drinks today. I already said this on the live stream, but I'm just going to... I remain very proud of myself, so I'm just going to say it again here. I had to take a work trip this week. It was 36 hours. I would like to tell you the times I didn't drink. First of all, I didn't drink when I found out that I had 48 hours to plan a 36-hour work trip. So that was number one. Victory. Uh, time two, I didn't drink the night before when I couldn't fall asleep, even though I had to be up at 4 a.m. so mm-hmm. that I could get a lift at 4.30 a.m. so that I could be to O'Hare in time enough to get on the plane, even if the government shut down, fucked everything up, which mm-hmm. it, it, O'Hare was great. It didn't at all. I got it like in and out. It was amazing. Wow. That's uh, and then like three hours later, LaGuardia said they weren't going to have flights anymore. And then guess what happened? Shutdown and, ended. I know. Thank you, TSA employees. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, then I didn't drink when I was sitting at the the publican in O'Hare Airport. Which is difficult because they have such a great beer and wine list, and you were there for Bloody Mary time. Yeah, Bloody Mary's and Mimosas, and I didn't have either. I didn't drink then. I didn't drink on my flight. I didn't drink uh, when I landed. I didn't drink... <laughs> When I was waiting for my work thing, like three blocks from where I had to be, uh, when I had two choices of establishments, one was a dumpy looking coffee shop and the other was a place called Salsa and Beer. (laughs) And I knew I would not be able to resist getting salsa and beer. So I went to the coffee shop instead. I mean, that's what they have. Then I didn't drink after when I was having to wait for a lift. I didn't go to a nice bar and have a beer. And then I didn't drink with at the, the nice dinner my friend made. And then she offered us after dinner drinks and it was spicy Kahlua. Mm. And I didn't drink that. And then I didn't drink at the airport in the morning. And then I didn't drink on the flight. And then, and here's the one I'm really proud of. Then I didn't drink in the Phoenix airport. <laughs> I just went to Panera. Oh! And then I didn't drink on the next flight. And then I didn't drink at Midway. And then I didn't drink when I got home. And then I didn't drink now. You're doing so well, man. You just have a few days. You got this. I'm just going to smell it one more time. Smell it one more time. Oh, God. <laughs> it is, it's delicious. Um, next Saturday... Two two. That's right, because it won't be January anymore. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to drink five oh, pilsner beer no, or five. So I, Tom, and I uh, were having dinner. We made dinner for a friend on the first for New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. So we decided that we were going to start on January second. So it, it's we're going door to door. Ah, yeah. So it's. Uh, we are n- including February 1st. Mm-hmm. So my first drink after dryuary will be the first drink I have at the Oasis for Speaking our live event. Well, the bit has already been playing. Right? It's going to write itself. <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be, you, you'll hear something open and then you're just going to hear, hold on. <laughs> like that. Just shotgun a fucking 16 ounce Miller yeah, Lite. Does anybody have a nail? I'm just, can somebody just... <laughs> Um, I'm extremely tired. Welcome to Podlander Drunkcast, not Lander Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Julie. That's Janine. Bye. Uh, We are talking about the finale. Finale Rama, Outlander Season 4, Episode 13, Man of Worth. That's a decent title. I think it's pretty good. I mean, the, you know, sometimes I'm pissed off when the title is in the script 
Like, sometimes that feels a little hacky. But, but least, he did say it to him a long time ago, yeah. so... Fine. Well, and I think... Go ahead, sorry. Well, at least I didn't say Man of Worth 20 fucking times. You're right. <laughs> yes, fair, fair. <laughs> it, yeah, because you can easily see how they would have been having the fight with Roger in the woods, and Roger would have been like, you did not treat me like a man of worth! Yeah, and, then and then Jay would be go, like, you did not behave like a man of worth! <laughs> and then that's when I would turn it off and never record and this podcast go, again. What is worth? <laughs> Speaking of themes, title card. Two little kids in the 60s running around playing cowboys and Indians like little white jackasses. <laughs> and then they run right in front of a Native American dude on a bench who we know to be Otter Tooth, who knows what happens to the Native Americans, and that's very important to the plot of this episode. Uh, a fr- my friend who I was staying with was telling me she works at a preschool and her ki- kids were running around um, yelling and stuff, and she asked them what they were playing. And they said, we're playing cowboys and Indians. And she was like, okay, well, can you tell me what what you're playing and they were like yeah the cowboys are the bad guys they're trying to take our land <laughs> 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 like, that's amazing and then there was another thing they were playing god i don't remember something else but they have like a no weapons policy right. of any kind no fake weapons no nothing um it was something having to do with the police and she was like, well, can you tell me what you're playing? So that she could correct it. And they were like, oh, we're just making sure that everybody inside this building is really safe. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's funny. And also really depressing. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. But cowboys and Indians. The cowboys are the bad guys. And they're trying to take, take our land. land. That's really great. Like, that's oh, good job. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. So we get the story of Otter Tooth in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh I'm curious to know what y'all thought of it because that's a it's a, there are some dramatic differences from the books mm-hmm. books um, but and certainly the way the story is told is very different from the books but his story is pretty close so mm-hmm. I'm curious to know what you thought about Ottertooth specifically. Well, the further we go into this show about time travel the more I become aware of the fact that people who think that they're going to change time can't or something goes wrong or I don't know in the universe of Outlander what Diana Gabaldon believes about the effects of time travel, but it feels like this guy came back doing what he think he needed to do, but it was not there just weren't the resources there or the people there or something in order to enact what he believed had to happen mm-hmm. in order to stop the slaughter and, you know, mass migration of Native Americans. So it feels obviously very sad and kind of weirdly ineffective. Like, we know what happened, and it doesn't seem like even Claire and Jamie being part of it, the, they're not really changing a lot of stuff that happens in American history so far, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's heart-wrenching, and I think I understand why Ottertooth did what he did, obviously, but it, it just feels kind of, in the end, sadly pointless. Interesting. You know, as you're talking about like the how um, Diana probably thinks about time travel and how mm-hmm. she how she's kind of depicting it, it almost feels a little bit like she, um, she's pointing out that like a butterfly can't cause uh, a hurricane, right? Mm-hmm. Like even if you were to travel back in time with this knowledge, 
one insignificant individual would have to do a lot of work to mm-hmm. do any type of change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then, it feels more reliant on fate yeah. or something. Well, well, and there's also always a chance that the thing that you're... Tra- and this is more about the way that narratives work than it yeah. is about the way time travel works. But there's always a chance that the thing you're trying to prevent is the thing you actually cause. Right. So there's this very famous episode of Doctor Who called The Fires of Pompeii. Yeah. Where the big reveal is that... Um, the doctor is there and they're supposed to stay away from fixed points in time because they can't change it all because it would, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But time is way of asserting, asserting itself. So the volcano and is as a fixed it turns point out, in time. Yes. Yeah. And as it turns out, he was always supposed to be there because he has a choice. He can either let the volcano erupt and the people of Pompeii die or he doesn't and everybody on the planet does. So it's actually his, cho- like, he has to make the choice to let it happen. Mm-hmm. Um but that's an. It's a great episode. It's a very it's good really episode. Good. Also, where uh, where there's an interesting uh, Doctor cameo inside of that as well. Oh yeah, that's also <laughs> the. It's the episode that Peter Capaldi did of Doctor oh, yeah. Who uh, before he was the Doctor, and Karen Gillan is in that. Oh yeah, later that's right. It's a weird uh, one. But I would. But I would. But I think it's a very like maybe this isn't like super conscious, but it, I think it's a really good uh, example of how like the way she's telling the story and like how people keep going back thinking they can change things. It's almost like there isn't actually fate. It's just that. As a person, if you were back then and you wanted to change something, you'd have to do a lot of like you have to have a lot of influence either with resources or mm-hmm. people around you. Like there are things you have to do. Like now, if we wanted to take Trump out of the presidency, I can't do that. No. I'm in, as an individual. If I was to travel back in time from fifty years in the future, or like some, well, some other dystopian future, and coming back to try to change things, I can't actually do that unless I'm, you have all the resources of Skynet at your disposal. Exactly. Well, you saying. would need yeah, you need a lot of research. We would have yeah. to be. Talk, and then you don't know what the consequences are going to be. We right. have to be yeah. talking about things like how do we prevent yeah. Donald Trump's parents from meeting it's the simple thing that happens that's going to stop the thing that's really complicated. And then, complicated. of course, it but ends then, up happening anyway, then, so then yeah. you have to go further what's back. What's the worst person that, what's the worst thing, like, who's the worst alternative that would undoubtedly happen because we did that? I mean, Very hard to imagine. Who knows? <laughs> We're all actually in the alternative timeline right oh, now. So barf. whoever went back there and fucked things yeah, up. Yeah, hold on. Let, guys, let's, <laughs> yes, we're going to figure this out. Hold on. Pause them for just a second. We're going to pause. We're going to get in the TARDIS. Oh, okay. We're going to go. We're going to go try this experiment. Okay. All right. And hold on just a second. <laughs> you guys, the sound of the TARDIS scares the shit out of me, and it always has ever since I was a kid. I don't like that whoosh, that thing. I don't like it. it you know what it reminds me of? What? Do you remember back when modems used to dial in and then yeah. you would hear that? Yeah. And I was like, that's. Yeah, it's called a handshake. Great. <laughs> it's the last thing a human will ever hear. Like, that's it before your consciousness is gone. Oh, interesting. But that's not. Right. But that's, I was just trying to set up a bit where I came back and said, so guys, how do, you, how do we feel about President Geraldo? And, <laughs> and then now all of a sudden I'm feeling very upset. <laughs> Here's how I feel about President Geraldo. No bueno. Um, I don't know if y'all can hear this, and I'm sure you can, but Neil is busy whipping up some mac and cheese in our kitchen, so apologies for the extra noise, but it smells great in here. Julie nor Janine has to deal with this because of the position that we sit in, but Neil apparently is very pleased with his cooking because he keeps doing little victory dances. (laughs) I'm having a really hard time concentrating, actually. He keeps like, he's like, spit, look, look! (laughs) He'll spit a spatula in there, and then he'll kick, and I'm like, I do, we're talking about otter tooth right now, bro. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, 
there's another one? God damn it. Um, yeah, so the question is, can you change anything? Can right. you change anything at all? If you can change things, can you change big things? Can you yeah. not? Mm-hmm. Um, we obviously know that Claire and Jamie tried really hard to change things with the old BPD. Yeah. Right. And they F-A-I-L-E-D. <laughs> H-A-R-D. Good yeah, spelling. That was really good. T. Nope. Not going to do it. Um, so that's a whole thing. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, maybe they can prevent a fire from burning down the cabin. Yeah. Right. And that seems much Fun more reasonable. fact. On Twitter, I guess this counts as a small spoiler, but the people who've read the books already know, and the people who haven't, this, you're not going to know what it means, so it doesn't matter. Um, on uh, Twitter this week, one of the producers, I don't remember which one it is, said they started construction of the big house. Ooh. So, the, this so is the that cabin. is supposed to be the tiny cabin. Mm. Oh, well. Which I get, it's supposed to be lean to and then cabin and then big house. But there's a whole thing in when, in the night when Jamie meets Brianna, he's come to Wilmington. There's a trial, which they cut a whole subplot with Ferguson, a trial and Marsley and a whole thing. Sorry, granoli and mm-hmm. whole thing, um, but like, also Hill. to pick up windows as a present for Claire, and they're mm-hmm. windows for the big house. And here they imagine? have windows. They have windows. They have like right. fucking it furniture. They've got a fancy. bathtub. It seems a little fancy it for is a shack. Not rustic. No, <laughs> not. Well, I mean, it's still sort of rustic. It's not glamping. It is glamping. But anyway, they're going to build a big house. So yeah. then she'll have her surgery, and there's a whole... She starts trying to grow mold on bread. I won't spoil it for you. That's right, good. That's anyway, cool. the big house is cool. Um, I'm glad that they're doing it, but it's it's going to look like a fucking mansion compared to, like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's just supposed to be, like, a house with two floors. Come on, guys. It's not... And now it's going to look like River Run. Apparently. <laughs> uh, and Brianna's not going to be able to draw that either. Mm-mm. She just can't get the perspective right. Can we right. take a second... She, it, obviously, it is a joke because the art that they make on the show is very nice. And there have been all, uh, especially her dealing with her trauma art, I think was really well. Whoever is mm-hmm. drawing that is very good. So this is in jest. Can we talk shit about Brianna's drawings for a second? <laughs> sure. That Roger drawing, it was, was like a piece of shit. It was like she did a Mad Magazine cartoon exactly. of Richard Rankin. Yeah, exactly. Like smushed face. That was, it like was really terrible. early on, though, right? Like, she's had all this time at Riverrun just that's sit true. around. She's, she's had a bunch practicing. of practice. So, you You're know, right. Maybe she's gotten better. Maybe. That, that's like me uh, in my first film versus my last film. Oh. You know? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. You got to improve. It takes time. It was a really shitty sketch, yeah. though. And that was months. Months. <laughs> when they showed it, I was like, that doesn't look anything like him. The Mohawk could be like, who this? Yeah. No, we don't I have that guy. So, who somehow it's Dogface because he has a beard. I think that's yeah. like, there's like, we only know one man with a beard. It's yeah. Dogface. <laughs> Maybe it's him. This likeness is not very good. Yeah. <laughs> But if you came here for this guy, we got a beard here. Maybe it's this guy? I can't really tell from this drawing. So this is a question that we got in the show spoiler channel on our little Slack. Um... From Heather J. Okay, I have a question for the Potter. For everyone, we're to believe that Ottertooth was a time traveler, right? From the future, trying. it actually says from the footy, trying to warn them. I assume that's an autocorrect issue. Mm-hmm. Was that super obvious to everyone else? And I feel all smart for thinking that. Uh, yeah, so Ottertooth is supposed to be a time traveler. I think the only indication, I doubt we're going to return to this, other than that it's an established additional time traveler. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't 
Yeah, I, um, sort of. He sort of comes back. Maybe we'll start to come back. Regardless, uh, Otter Tooth is from the '60s mm-hmm. because you see him in the title card, sitting right. on that bench with the kids running, looking around. all like he's headed to Woodstock. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he comes back to try to convince them to fight back, so that the American Revolution basically never happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and does not succeed. Has some communication issues maybe is not particularly persuasive Mm -hmm. they do not respond well Mm -mm. to him the actor who played him plain crackers trevor carroll the actor who played him in um well obviously played him in both timelines but was the guy sitting on the bench in the title card if anyone is familiar with king of the hill he straight looked like john redcorn Mm. Like, Hugh really did look like John Redcorn, who's one of my favorite characters on King of the Hill, which is high praise. That show is incredible. He's been on The Flash. Yeah. Who was he on The Flash? A street Punk number two. Oh, <laughs> I remember it well. It was just like yesterday. Uh, oh, he was also in SGU, Stargate Universe, as Sergeant Graham. Hmm. Hey, I mean... He, he's done some shit. He's done some shit, man. Okay, he was, so... He was quite good. Hold on, let's get started with this recap. So we Rise have the, the title card that we've already discussed, and then we open in the Mohawk camp, and Roger's in the Edget hut. <laughs> and then we see Jamie, Claire, and Wean in the woods outside of, well, specifically we see Jamie, who's going to do a little recon on the Mohawk camp, and he's got this really cool spyglass that has a scratch on it, and then when you look through it, you can see the scratch, and Allison was it's very cool. impressed. It's a cool shot. There was some really good... Who directed this one, buddy? Uh, there was some good filmmaking in this episode. The director mm-hmm. was Stephen Wolfend. Thank you, Stephen Wolfend. Yeah, job, and thank bud. you for not returning Fendin. to the fucking lookout, the Fendin. lookout of ages. Wolfenden. Look at this beautiful country for the possibility of that rock. Where you every mean time they go paradise there. with Coolio. Did you see that on the Slack? The no. fucking somebody I, was it Trish photo uh, shopped a picture of Coolio because he likes to wear kilts onto the rock <laughs> because it's that. Fraser's Paradise, Gangsters Paradise, oh. and it's fucking hilarious. I'll have to seek that out. It made me cry. Hold on, eating some more plain crackers. Oh, I want so, some plain crackers. They, Jamie goes and sees what's going on down there, comes back. He's like, I can't see Dogface. Obviously, he doesn't <laughs> know the name Dogface, but I'm just going to use it forever. And they decide they, they need to enter the village. And as they're walking past with their horses, you can see that they brought a whole bunch of, like, blankets and pottery barn trinkets to, like, copper 27 pots, tenths. Copper pots to trade because they're about to go in there and be like, hey, can we trade for this dude? And they walk in, we in first, because <laughs> we in's got the, um, the amulet, right? Yeah. And also can speak Mohawk. We in, a man of worth. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes in and starts a dialogue with Mohawk. They get surrounded by the tribe, and they're trying to, you know, show we're, we're here in good faith. We just want to, have you seen this man? And then they pull out the shittiest sketch ever made <laughs> that we just discussed. And they're all like, hmm. And then all the women are uh, Claire's like, we want to trade. And all the women of the uh, camp are like, yes. And then they co- like surround the horses and start touching the blankets. And are like, which ones are best? And it's like, this is kind of a foregone conclusion. It feels like they're going to get in and get out. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So 
they go to get the chief and his sister, who we referred to earlier as pants because she's a woman who wears pants. She was wearing the pants. We don't know sister, wife, sister, cousin, wife. And I don't think it's the chiefs because I, you're matching ear, earring thing. Janine noticed that two characters have matching earrings. I thought it was the chief, but it's not. It's it's blue hair. It's our friend from the last episode. Oh, so is it his yeah. mom? Or sister... Hmm, or something. Who knows? Yeah. But they do eventually... I hope that's not the last we see of her. Me no, too. She's a badass. They do say her name in the episode, and I tried to write it down phonetically. Let's see if I can get it right. Winget Deosta. Winget Deosta. Something. Sounds right. Anyway, she's a fucking badass. <laughs> she comes out with the chief. So obviously there is a relationship of some kind there. We, we couldn't really tell. And then everybody's like looking at all the goods, and there are some women who want to see... Uh, Claire's scarf so she takes it off and then she's got old otter tooth stone hanging around her boobs and everybody freaks the fuck freaks out. out they're like get out get out bye go bye we've never seen you you can't have dog face get out and Claire's like what and Jamie is like it's just a scarf and Ian's like it's not about the scarf uncle <laughs> uncle it's not about the scarf <laughs> And, um, oh, all I wrote down was Otter Tooth Stone. No bueno. No bueno. The return of no bueno. And then we, so a, a huge monkey wrench, I'm sorry, a huge otter wrench has been thrown <laughs> into the trade deal here. And then we cut, no! we cut to River Run. And it's Murtaugh and Aunt Jocasta at the dinner table. And Murtaugh is just going to town on a roast. He's so happy to be eating this delicious food. And um, she busts out because she's so smart. I know you're a regulator. And he's like, yes, so. No. She says, yeah, I suppose it must. I'm paraphrasing. Mm -hmm. I suppose that must have been a good meal. After you being in jail and all. (laughs) And he's like, like, how'd you find out? (laughs) She's like, well, Brianna told me. You old coot. He's like, oh, well, no. It's just, I just, you know, was in jail. It's not a big deal. And she's like, was it for Stephen Bonnet reasons or was it for regulator reasons? And he's like, oh, but it was kind of both. Jail. Just want to eat my roast. Why can't you let me eat my roast? And he's doing this all while continually throwing his cutlery down on his plate every time he gets pissed off. And I'm like, please quit fucking up Jocasta's China. China. He was doing that a lot, wasn't he? He was very much like... And then then Jocasta's like, well, hey, I'm glad you're here and stuff, ma'am, but you probably shouldn't stay very long because you're going to get arrested if you stay in one place too long. He's like, well, well, I don't... I'm not the first time my face has been on a broad sheet. She's like, she's yeah, like, okay. Enjoy your roast and then GTFO. Excuse me. And then <laughs> she says, Ulysses. will you get his, what well, Ulysses, will you get his room ready? And Ulysses, Ulysses says something like, let me know if there's anything else you need during your stay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a good exit. And Murta's like, dark, dark, clink, clink. <laughs> and we're like, God, Oh, this is also where Myrta finds out that um, Brianna's engaged to Lord John. Oh, right. Oh, like, right. She cannot marry a red coat in those coats. <laughs> and he's obviously flummoxed by that, but still going to hang out at River Run for a while and enjoy some more roast. I think we'll see that later. A little rump roast. A little, a little something moist. I don't know. Prime rib. <laughs> Really uh, uh, enjoying the dressing. He's going to take it down to the bone, mm. is what we're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be juicy. 
mm-hmm. and probably a little bit hot. But he's also not above a little drumstick. <laughs> <laughs> We're disgusting. What else? What? Come on, we gotta have more meat fucking puns. Um, he's gonna dip it in the ajou. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's gonna dip the t-bone in, in the, the ajou. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tender. He likes it when it's a little pink on the inside. Oh! <laughs> Jocasta, on the other hand. Likes it well done? Tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she likes it aged. She, she likes, likes an aged mm. beef. She likes an aged, aged sirloin. Mm. She's Something also sirloin. not above a cured sausage. An aged sirloin. How long? We've done this for like two minutes now, right? <laughs> Could we continue? Uh, we're gonna pop, we're gonna do round two. How about that? Okay, round two. We'll, we'll, yes, because we're gonna come back to that. Yeah. I'm sorry that we spoiled that, but we all know that you've already watched the show. So yeah, peace. I mean, every once in a while, somebody on Twitter will be like, "Hey, so I couldn't tell from your review what happens, and I only really follow these shows through the reviews." I'm like, okay, that's that's fine. it's a fine, it's fine, but there are actual there are other recaps that are like traditional recaps, and mine are not, so it's fine. But I just. Don't I don't get it. Understand. I can maybe see like a reality show, mm-hmm. maybe where there aren't like characters and acting. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's just people Being acting as full. Just yeah. the situation, you know. It's <laughs> 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 <This> tight. <laughs> but yeah, if you are listening, if listening to the podcast is how you follow Outlander, I apologize. Yeah, because you we're are in, not getting an accurate representation yeah, of the show. In a way, they, that's, I'm assuming they trying, that they think that Duncan Lacroix looks like young Paul Newman based on the way that we talk about him. He is a good looking man. You know, I would say though, if anyone is following the show via this podcast, like that's how they get it. They're just trying to enjoy the Janine experience. But let me tell you, as Janine, <laughs> as Janine, you're going to watch that show eventually. So, cause it's happened for me. I want to clarify for listeners because Janine really meant this in a different way than it sounded. Oh, wait, what Janine did I say? does not think that you are listening to the show for the Janine experience. <laughs> oh, fuck no. No, he was suggesting <laughs> that you listen to the show to have the experience that Janine formerly had, not to experience the beauty of Janine. I'm glad we've been hanging out so long so you can clarify that for me. Thank you. <laughs> Y'all, he is red right now. I want y'all to know also that this all happened, and we have Sophie's podcasting chair pulled up, and she's not bothered at all. No, really? <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Go to sleep. What do you think, Sophie? No! <laughs> Get that thing out of my face! Now you want to make noise? No. No! <laughs> I was hoping for a purr, at least. Hoping for, like, a... No, she's very sweet. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. You guys were very distracted. You know, I have to admit that on these ones where I'm the only one drinking and you guys are stone cold separate, there's been a lot of off-roading. I'm just going to say. Dude, there's always a lot of off-roading. You're it's just true. more sober when you're editing. You're right. Because we're not pacing each other. Right. This is, is this... Is this true in life too? Where mm. you like you have say you have a running buddy? Mm-hmm. Do they do you run faster with a running buddy because yeah. you encourage each other to keep up? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because I have noticed that you drink less when I'm not drinking. Oh yeah. Well, I made a promise to myself before this season that I would never have more than two or three beers show plus recording 
or two whiskeys. Cause and then you fuck it all up with that fucking cranberry shit. <laughs> well, I mean that shit was delicious though. They but were. I, I try. It, the episodes are better when I'm not fucking sloshed like an asshole. <laughs> it, they're just better. Anyway, Patty. Ooh, it's been a while. So then we cut to Jamie and Claire. They're in the woods. They're discussing this mohawk situation. Claire is upset. Jamie's like, "I'm going in," because you know, he's Jamie. And she's like, uh, no, you're not. And he's like, uh, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And then when get this deosta, when get deosta, God, I wish I could just say it like it was practice. Uh, when get deosta shows up with a whole bunch of bras and they're all like, no. And Jamie's like, whoa. But he does take a guy hostage with a tomahawk to his throat and he's like, come on. She says, we could just take it and leave. And he says, not all of you would be leaving. And not all of you would be whole or something, something like, like some that. Some of you would leave. She says, we could just come back later. And there's a lot of like, and then Claire steps in and she's like, wait, 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 hold on. Can you please tell me the story of why everybody is so freaked out about this stone? And then when Gedeosta sits down, and we get treated to a flashback in the story of Ottertooth. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but also sometimes flashbacks in this show are not great. This one was not bad. Yeah. But it, it was, was okay. It was maybe a little bit too long. I mean, the point was made. Well, I feel like it was a weird point in the season for this because, I, and it's. The way they structured the season, it was probably unavoidable because it is important that we know that he's a time traveler. Mm-hmm. Like, that is important. But they all, they found that out through the village. And it's not, they don't go all the way to fucking upstate New York in the book. Mm-hmm. But um, it is a long trip. Claire is there when Brie has her baby in the book. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so That's it, a huge change. But she gets, it's not long before. Like, Brie okay. is super pregnant when they get there. But okay. yeah, Claire is there. Um, and Roger is gone for longer too. Ooh. I think, although that baby was pretty big. I don't know how fucking long they were at River Run waiting mm-hmm. for the parents to show up. Anyway, Patty. Uh, so <laughs> they were going to find out about Outer Tooth in the village, but because they delayed that to the last episode, this is the first time they could really do it. But the finale is like a strange point to do that because it's essentially exposition. Right. Yeah. In an episode where everything is forward momentum. Exactly. Right. We're building to a couple of, we're building to Brie giving birth. We're building to Ian making the choice that Ian makes and we're building to uh, Roger making his decision. Right. Like those are all three of these things. Ian is getting a rap may or may not be temporary. In his story, we're getting, and so like his personal growth and whatever mm-hmm. in him and feeling so guilty for acting impulsively. And um, that is really important because Ian was all about being impulsive and shit and now is like a And now is a man of worth. Yes. <laughs> Learned a hard lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, knows like who he is and what he wants and who Jamie is and what his tendencies are and what everybody would be losing if he went and makes this really hard decision. So that is mm-hmm. a point. It, there's Roger deciding whether or not he's going to go in the idiot hut again, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to, like... Or maybe the question is this. Which is the idiot hut? Safety or love? Oh, God, that's deep. 
He just got chill bumps. So he, he has to choose which idiot hut. To go in the idiot hut of, I went back to the future and left my super hot wife I'm madly in love with and the baby that is maybe maybe mine biologically uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Or the idiot hut of, I could go to where there is penicillin and showers. <laughs> <laughs> to me, that choice is clear. Anyway, Patty. <laughs> so, and then the other, obviously the other point to which they're building is Brie having her, her baby. baby. <clears throat> Uh, with so, a little a little side trip for old Marta Fitzgibbons. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, to the meat shack. So it did feel <laughs> weird. So I wasn't In and wrong. Out burger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's good. So it did feel weird. This flashback just felt kind of. Hold on, I'm having a delayed reaction to my own joke. I'm sorry. In and out burger was really good. Get it? It's in and out. In and out. Oh, in I get out. it. I get it. And then you get the donkey sauce. <laughs> donkey sauce. <laughs> <laughs> you the aioli? Animal style. Oh. Served animal style. <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> anyway. I'm fine now. I just had... <laughs> so we all agreed that the flashback felt a little shoehorned I in. I wish that they... If they had found a way to get... Claire and Jamie and Ian to the village in the earlier episode. Like, if Idiot Hut, if we bounce that back a week and they have an episode in the village where they're trying to negotiate things out. Because the way this plays out in the mix, um, they're there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, they The tribe does not acknowledge that they have Roger, but they sort of figure out that he's there and they sort of individually make friends and Ian gets a crush on a girl who gets a crush back on him. Doing. There's a whole thing with whiskey... And everything is still happening with the priest while they're there. So both oh. the priest and Roger are hidden. Oh. And um, Roger gets out and inadvertently kills somebody in the struggle while the priest is dying. So that's why they refuse to let him go. Like, they would have traded, but then this happens, so, they, so Roger owes them a life. So mm-hmm. then that is why Ian has to stay because they need somebody to replace the person who died, essentially. The, the group owe them a life because Roger inadvertently kills somebody. That makes a little bit more sense than... But it would be really this. nightmarish to do on right. screen. and it would take forever. Yeah, take a really long time. And there's like a whole thing where they all get drunk on whiskey and um, uh, like a whole nine. And uh, Jamie... Um, has, takes a long time to figure things out. Claire has a conversation with someone who recognizes the necklace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how she finds out about Ottertooth, but it is not a thing that disrupts the entire village. It's just this one mm-hmm. woman, rem- an older woman remembers it and, and talks to her about it. Um, and then when Ian decides to stay, it's not Jamie volunteering to stay and Ian sort of tricks him. Ian just says, listen, I'm going to stay. I've already made the deal. You don't have a choice, but I need to write this wrong too. And this is the only way it's going to happen. And mm-hmm. I speak some Mohawk and we see a ceremony, like he doesn't do this gauntlet thing. We see a ceremony where he is sort of adopted into the tribe and gets his new name. And I think it's like walks with white wolf or something like that. Um, and then has to promise that he'll never speak English again. So they have a whole conversation about English and Gaelic. He has to give up his languages and he, Jamie and he had the conversation about, and about Latin and everything. And, Mm -hmm. um, and they leave knowing that they will never see him again. So it, this actually accomplishes all the things that it's supposed to in a more concrete fashion. It's mm. just not quite as um, nuanced, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then in some ways is actually more because there's mm-hmm. some stuff where I'm, you're like, Bleh. Uh, Anyway, so Jamie and 
Claire and Ian are all there for when the priest stuff goes down, mm-hmm. which Roger has basically nothing to do with other than that he's been praying with him and trying to convince him to baptize the child and everything. But there's right. no point where Roger escapes and chooses to come back, which mm-hmm. I think is a great adaptive choice. Like, I think that is a really, other than the music, is a really, really <laughs> strong choice that says some really interesting things about Roger's character. Yeah. Point being, Ottertooth would, if they had stayed with what happens in the village, it probably would have had to be two episodes, so right. we would have found out here. I think we needed the information. I just wish that it hadn't come in, in the this finale. episode. Right. Because it really, it felt like it stripped the momentum a little bit. Mm-hmm. Also made me feel a little bit like there'd be more of him because of all the full momentum. So, like, if you're thinking about all the action about what's going to happen in the future, and then you add this thing, made me feel like there'd be more otter otter tooth at some point well it, it was a weird it just title felt like card. It, yeah. it, it felt just dropped in yeah. like boop, and then it never came back so it was a little like jarring you're right in an episode that everything else is very forward Maybe. i assume that some of this is plans for the future though because i don't know why this woman would be banned they set this woman up as She's a prominent character back. and then she gets banished like there's gotta yeah. be something do you think it's gonna be way in i would be very surprised Okay. That would be interesting, though. Possible. I mean, it's possible, but we know, based on an episode previously, that once they kick somebody out, they're dead they're to dead. them, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's that whole thing with... Hold on. I have to, like, build myself up to actually saying it out loud. The thing wasn't with the guy in the bear costume. Oh, wasn't that a different tribe, though? Yes. yes. But culturally, I think what they're establishing is that this practice is similar, right? Uh, yeah, they because they talk about what they did to Ottertooth uh, with the black paint, like, yeah. get out. Got it. They it's like a shun. the guy in the bear Thank suit. You. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know how to speak. I know how to speak Star Trek. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I mean, after, uh, yeah. Oh, I think I saw the show that had the other gauntlet in it that you were talking about before. Roger. No, there was a... The wa- Punisher. The Punisher. Uh, it was yeah. in The Punisher. Yeah. 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 Was that what you were watching? Yeah. Yeah. Because you couldn't talk about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you watch all of season two of The Punisher? I, I did. What'd you think? Um, you know, I actually really liked it. Really? Yeah, Neil was, loves I, it. That was really good. Uh, the, I'm like, I think the first season of The Punisher is great. Neil's making a face that se- seems to say I otherwise. I thought you liked it. Uh, I think the it first a, season of The Punisher two is of mitts waving. very good. I think the second season, half of it is really good. Yeah. And the other half is literally one of the main characters from the first season re-remembering all of the things that happened in the first season. And oh, it's no. an in, like an insane momentum killer. Um, it's like... It's a baffling choice structurally. Like, I cannot. And then they don't do anything interesting with it. Like, they don't try to litigate whether or not you can blame somebody for past actions that he has no memory of. Yeah, he literally just accepts that, okay, I did that. And he's not like, and I'll keep doing it. And like, fuck yeah. Yeah, and it's like, it it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. It's really, it's like a really bad, bad choice. How do you feel? How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's super annoying when we spend too much time with a fucking jigsaw. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So maybe I thought he liked it and I was wrong because my marriage is a sham. Also, there's this thing where they're like, his face is so grotesque under that mask. It's a nightmare under that mask. And And then then they take off the mask and it's like there's a Z and and like like, a little script. I think that's the part that pissed me off where I was like, because I I remember looking up images of like who this character was like, oh, that's the birth of a character, blah, blah, blah. And then like to show them like, that's not not fucking grotesque. (gasps) He did this to my face. Like. He's just too handsome. He's just too yeah. handsome. Um, I didn't like the ending, though. Uh, and I feel like they've, they've 
made always made really weird choices with the defender. So you guys, let's stop talking about the Punisher. Punisher. Yeah, keep talking about Outlander. Anyway, there's a gauntlet in the Punisher as well. Yeah. Anyway, so we talked about the Otter Tooth flashback. Then we go back to River Run, and it is Murtaugh and Bree, and they're chatting about Lord John Gray. Like, are you really gonna marry him? And Bree's all like, Nah, man. We just set this up. Because Roger will be back, and it's going to be sweet. And then they talk a little bit about Stephen Bonnet. And once again, Murtaugh really thinks this guy is dead, even though he didn't literally see the dead body. Well, Murtaugh doesn't know he's in a TV show. I would also assume... Here's the thing, Julie. Yeah, but d- if you haven't seen a person like that actually expire in front of you, but don't Julie, assume. Because you're making an ass out of you Let me say this. You're in, say you're in prison... For cold cocking a stone cold murderer and mm-hmm. also being a rabble rouser. Yes. Who like steals taxes. <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. And then in the next episode. <laughs> did you get it? Yeah. So anyway. Um, in the next episode. So you are in this prison. Mm-hmm. Like locked in a prison. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean. And they, again, probably don't realize they didn't lock this thing. Pam, right. Right? You leave. You get out seconds before the building blows Ooh, up. Sh- but so many seconds that you, like, your body kind of goes forward. And, like, mm-hmm. your beautiful platinum hair gets a little cinched on the end. No. Just a little, though. Okay. In real life, somebody was behind you. You do not see them emerge. Do you assume they're dead? I would assume they're dead. Because Murta, I might assume he doesn't know he's on a TV show. But also, maybe it's because Murta doesn't really know Stephen Bonnet the way that some other characters know Stephen Bonnet. Mm -hmm. Like, for instance, I was surprised that Brianna was not like, "Where is his corpse?" Like, like the people who know him, you would never just assume that that was dead. Right? You would want to see it. This isn't like Roz McGall from Batman or something like that. <laughs> but it just, it, it, I mean, narratively speaking, I understand why he has to come back. Like, there's going to be a thing. But it was just like, oh, God, the keys were there. They left his door open. Come on, y'all. Also, but I don't think any of them would have realized that. Uh, also, I mean, about, it did explode. Think right. about how, right. how many doors are probably into that prison. That might have been the only door, right? Mm-hmm. And the yeah. other doors, if there was another door, it's probably locked. And, see, my thing is I yeah. actually think that... The way that they set it up, it is extremely unlikely that Stephen Bonnet would actually get out. Yeah. I actually have the opposite problem because in the book we see him go. Oh, like okay. Brianna sees him leave. Well, that's completely different then. Yeah, in the book, mm-hmm. and here she doesn't because they make it. It really makes it seem like it is impossible anybody else got out. They're they're out the door and then it immediately blows, blows up. up, and you don't see anybody dash out behind them. They're ob- it's not like he snuck out through the window because <laughs> there are bars on all the windows. So mm-hmm. like, how the fuck did he get out? I have no idea, but yeah. I'm certain that he did. So, uh, Murtaugh's like, so you were going there to forgive him, did you? And she's like, as close as I could. And he's like, and what about your father? And she's already calling him Da again. So, we know. Yeah. She's kind of forgiven her I already have. Yeah. I it's love my dad. A, you know what? Sophie has some very good scenes in this episode, but that I didn't love that one. No, it's just kind of wooden. But Murtaugh getting his, like... Uncle on. Yeah. It was very uncle. And he, he had the red cheeks, so he even looked a little bit drunk uncle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we go back to the Mohawk camp, and um, let me flip back so that I can say it correctly. When Gets to Deosta, uh, helps them, helps Jamie and Claire, 
and Ian get into the camp at night to rescue, quote unquote, or take back Roger under cover of night. Like we're going to sneak in and do it. And it didn't work. I have another thing about Ottertooth that I want to say. Yeah. First, I have a little bit of an issue with Claire because at the end of the story, Mm -hmm. she says, if you help us, we will help you. And I expected her to say, I'll tell you everything I know. Exactly. Here's like, here's what I know about the Trail of Tears and here's what I know about all the laws that are coming and here's this. Because you're right, people who use this stone know information about the future without being like, well, I'm a time traveler. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) let me talk to you. I really did think she was going to be like, blow your mind. (laughs) (laughs) I really did think she was going to be like, instead, and I wonder if maybe that's a setup or something, like, because it seems like we're going to see this character again based on the way Mm -hmm. they handle her. I don't know. That's one. They also cut out a little detail that I really like, which is when they're getting this, it's a translated conversation. There's somebody in the camp who speaks English, and the older woman that Claire is talking to who knows about Ottertooth does not speak English, so it's Mm -hmm. translated. Um, She says that they referred to the stone by what he referred to it, which is calling it Tikiba. It's the Tikiba. And it takes Claire like a while I'm to go figure there and out. Get some rum drinks, or no? It's funny though. <laughs> Just saying. Tikiba, maybe then. Tikiba, but Tikiba sounds whatever. like three dots in a dash. T i k i b a. Okay. Tikiba. Tikiba. Something like that. Um, so that's what they call it. And it takes Claire a while to figure out why it is they call it that because mm-hmm. he didn't call it Tikiba or whatever. He called it his ticket back. <gasps> oh. oh. Isn't that a fun little detail? That's good. Ticket back. It says yeah. ticket back. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Did they leave with the stone? Did she? Did they give it to her? No, I don't think they. They didn't really. She's because she has to. She would give it to him after they got. I it. think they left it with the mohawk. Did they? I don't think well, she took it with them. They kicked out the people who actually wanted it. So yeah. it would be whether or not the woman took it with her. Whether or not she already had it. The game of counting gemstones, counting the number of gemstones at Fraser's Ridge is something that you're going to become very familiar with. <laughs> I, I, I think that maybe Pants has it. Pants has the gemstone? I, maybe. Because she had enough interest to come back and tell the story. Well, so that, to me, means they gave it to her. Well, but the, Did we ever see it change no, no, hands, No, no, because the chief was saying, you can leave, take the stone, and go. And they're like, cool, and we can leave with our guy. And like, no, 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 fair trade hasn't been made. So, like, I don't... <gasps> oh, that's right. Yeah, so maybe Claire still has so it. So they still have the stone. Okay, yeah. okay. Count the gemstones at Fraser's Ridge is a game with which you will become very familiar. Well, now we know that Roger has two garnets and Brie has one. So that's three garnets. And then there's the tiki bar. Yeah. So that's four. Is there something to still up Jamie's butt? <laughs> Does he still have a gemstone up his butt? I'm just saying. It's been lodged in his intestine. <laughs> I'm just saying. Since he was a fucking, whatever the name of that prison was, Ardsmuir. Ardsmuir. Yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> I spent five years with this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass, you and guys, now it's it belongs to you, sir. I thought I was so smart. All I was trying to do was hide these gemstones from my friend Lord John, but every time I have to take a dump, oh, it's like cutting diamonds. <laughs> Bad at successfully pooping out the rare jewels that he swallowed to it's hide from his friend Lord John. Colon. Like he just, just really like he it's just amazing. All of his turds come out with perfect facets. <laughs> he, he tantrically just squeezed it up into his intestine. What's like, a, what's the cut of the? It's like his his turds come out and there's a princess cut shaped <laughs> hole in the middle of them. <laughs> <laughs> He has that much control, ladies, is what we're saying. <laughs> oh, God. 
God. Claire so needs to use that woman's secret to get that get shit that out. Get that out of there. Well, you got to yeah, double. You got to go both double sides. bonus, right? Yeah. Like on the one hand, yeah, and on the other hand, look at what I found. Yeah. Ooh, is this for me? <laughs> I've been saving that for you, Sassano. Anniversary. <laughs> oh my God, we're disgusting. I can't wait for more meat puns. <laughs> Thing. Anytime you try to think of a weird sexual thing, somebody's already done it. Oh, I want to sure. know the person who's really into anal play who wanted to propose for his, do his girlfriend. So he hid a ring in his butthole. Oh That's what I want to know. Can you imagine? You and you just stick your fingers up there, and it comes out, and there's a diamond right out here. Oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> All I can say is, is that I'm glad those people found each other. Yeah, me too. If that oh. has ever happened, which I'm sure it has. I a do. ring for every finger, as they say. <laughs> I, knew, oh, I thought about a I, ring from a ring. No, I'd be I'd be worried about that getting like you know pushed up further on accident. Like, what if you didn't get the sizing right? And, <laughs> and what if it's literally in your intestines <laughs> yeah, right now? Like, like, oh, hopefully, you know what? I'm gonna give you a pro tip. Yeah, psyllium husk. You guys, old people know this. <laughs> It's like Metamucil, but without the sugar. Julie, you know what's hilarious? We yeah. definitely talked about this on the podcast before. I know. So this I'm is telling you guys. Repeat advice. I'm just telling you, Pooforia <laughs> is a real thing. Thank you, Jen Linder. <laughs> you can move that stone out is what I'm saying. I'm just saying. Jamie does not have a digestive problem. He helped the Pottage. king of France You're because right. of... Package. That's kind of like Package. silly. Musk. What I'm saying is, is that Jamie and I are both on the same poop train. <laughs> And he's just tantrically controlling his sphincter and keeping whatever. We we have gone way off he track. Needs to, it's there, it's a really it's like a vault up there. It's great. <laughs> it's great. There's also a textbook from 1960s American history that Claire brought back, and that's also where they're storing the penicillin. How? I'm trying to come up with a Fort Knox joke, and I just can't get there. Fort Knox. Please. Anyway, put it in your mind, Holtz. So. <laughs> They try to go rescue Roger from the Edgyet hut at night. It does not work. The Mohawk take them. It's very chaotic fight scene. It I, really I is. usually prefer my combat stuff to be uh, more visible, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're like for as much as I enjoy the Marvel films, the fights are often really difficult to follow. Right, you can't see who's but hurting. I actually who. think that chaos works really well here. I have no fucking idea where anybody is, except for I know that Roger is with Claire because he can't totally walk on his own. Right, and I feel like that's super effective. And then every once in a while, you'd be like, "Oh, I didn't realize Claire was holding a giant stick because she just cold cocked somebody right in the face." Right, and then Jamie picks up like a torch and is like, whacking whoosh, people whoosh, with a torch. Whoosh. But then, of course, they all get surrounded. And so the next day, we're in the Mohawk camp, and everybody has to come to terms with what has happened. And you guys, when gets Deosta, gets banished. And I don't think that's cool. She's gone. She's dead to the Mohawk. Hopefully, she's heading right for Fraser's Ridge. Hopefully, she's starting her own tribe because she is a capable chief. (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, so they send her away and then they're trying to have to deal with Jamie and Claire and Ian and fucking taunting us. Pardon me, guys. I have to taste my husband's mac and cheese. Keep talking. Mm -mm. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Is there a way to thin out the sauce a little bit? No. Okay, whatever. It's delicious. Sorry, guys. Okay. I'm just going to have 
I'm have some a plain crackers. crackers. You yeah. guys, hey, will you give them some uh, just a little taste? Oh, look oh at my here, God, y'all. What? How, God, yes. Oh my God, Neil! Fucking yes! Thank you. Oh, dude! It's an Outlander finale miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> oh, fuck it's like yeah. when Roger comes back. It's a little cheesy, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also really fuck good. You. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on. Jesus. Okay, we gotta pause. Neil, what? T- tell the people what is this? Neil, come here. Use my mic. Uh, this is a mac and cheese in the style of Welsh rarebit, in that uh, the cheese sauce is made with uh, a mild ale, a mild malty ale, and English mustard and uh, cheddar cheese. And then it's also got um, boiled or poached and chopped uh, smoked ham hock in there as well. <sighs> with a cavatelli pasta. Hands off, ladies. He's fucking taking. Oh, fuck, man. <laughs> Julie, this is so good that if I were you, I'd go buy a gemstone and hide it up as far up your ass as you possibly can. So later he can find it? Yeah. But he doesn't put his fingers up there. You know, Neil is such you guys, a that delight. Was... He's like the gem that you're willing to dig in an asshole for. <laughs> I'm telling you that I just made a really solid joke about butt sex. Nobody got it. <laughs> Well, hold on. Hit me again. You were like, <laughs> there's <laughs> You were like, put this stone up your butt, whatever. And I was like, he doesn't put his fingers up there. Oh. <laughs> you guys. Anyway, Patty, thanks for the spoon. This is so good. So, oh you guys, when Gestia gets fucking banished, we're sad. But then the Mohawk are like, we can't, we don't have a fair trade anymore. So get the fuck out. And Jamie's like, I'll do it as he always is. I'll sacrifice my body. And Claire's like, no, we just got back together. We have so many more years of fucking to go. (laughs) I will say this, though. She, very well acted scene, because he's Mm -hmm. like, I have to do this for our daughter. Are you kidding me? As soon as I can, I will escape and come back to you. But no, this is an absolute no-brainer. Ian, tell them we want to make the deal. Mm -hmm. And you see, God, John Bell is so good in this scene, too. All three of them really fucking kill it. All Three of them. Mm -hmm. And Ian, you see in his face, he's like, okay, I will tell them that we're going to make the deal. (laughs) Not that deal. And he just, like, he sets his jaw and he just turns around and takes advantage of the one language that Jamie has never bothered to learn. It's the (laughs) only language he doesn't speak. Tells them, like, nope, this is what's going to happen. I will be the trade. And... Wants to make things right for his cousin and realizes that all... And they don't even have to say this. This is the thing. Ian says very little. And you can tell that, like, he blames himself for what happened. Mm -hmm. And he thinks his uncle has been through enough. And he knows all of the years they've been apart. And Fraser's Ridge will not work without him being there. And his daughter is going to need him. And Roger is going to need him. And, like, you can see all of the decisions that go into this. Mm -hmm. And... It's just really like a very fine piece of acting, mm-hmm. and then and then the like Sam Hewen with him just killing it, the shock and then denial and then basically almost immediate acceptance once he realizes the way that Ian is viewing this and that he's he wants to be a man of his word and he wants to follow through it and he makes him promise not to come back and mm-hmm. it's really something else. And when I think about the scene that Ian has with Jamie in the premiere this year where they're in the graveyard and he's talking about what he experienced with Galas. Like, just lots of personal growth. Yeah. Very, very, very good scene. 
we just that was the one where um, we, we were all up. like <laughs> we teared up a little Very because good scene. John Bell and Sam Hewen were really killing it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Katrina, I, she had the least to do in that scene, but she did a great job. But yeah. then I I wrote down right here John Bell Platinum Pamplemousse. Yeah, like that. I already know that's who I'm nominating. Mm-hmm. You said something similar in a later scene, though. Well, I think I'm going to stick with John Bell. Let's keep going. Okay, but then you guys, you guys, we go back to River Run. And Aunt Jocasta and Murtar are just sitting by the fire. Thank you. Drinking some scotch. Hold on, hold on. I've got to smell I it. want you to know that not only did Neil bring his rare bit mac and cheese, but he just brought me a new beer, and Allison immediately picked it up and sniffed it. So they're sitting it's by the fire. It's a Russian-style surf stout. That's actually what he, the beer used for this. That's, it, that's yeah. the beer that's in this uh, mac and cheese. It's my favorite beer. Yum. <laughs> and he just found a, a Burt's Bees lip balm at the bottom of the grocery bag. This is very important, you guys. Pomegranate for life. I mean, so, it's super cold out there. You need that stuff he's right now. <clears throat> so they're sitting by the fireplace in those incredibly upholstered chairs. Jesus, this mac and cheese. Mm. Just sharing... Some delicious whiskey because Jocasta is rich and can have that whiskey brought from Scotland or whatever. And Murta is obviously loving every minute of it. And they're having a discussion about it. He calls her Joe, which I was like, that's well, familiar. That's fresh. You got to remember, they go a way, way back. back because Jocasta is Jamie's aunt. Mm-hmm. Mm. Her sister was the one that Murtaugh yes, was in love with. was Jamie's mom. Oh. So Murtaugh was in love with her sister. Mm-hmm. And so was always hanging around the house like a hound dog. Yeah. Sad. And what starts the actual, like, fight? Um, Mur- well, she casts some aspersions on his character. He, he, she's basically like, you're always around whining and being manipulative to get what you want. Oh, because he says, you could fight back. You could. You have resources. He, there Speaking are ways that resources. you could make an effort. And she right? says, oh, okay, so that's why you're here. And yeah. he's like, no, that's not why I'm here. She's like, no, that's definitely why you're here. I can't believe I let you darken my doorstep. Right. And then he darkens her doorstep. Ooh, fucking mm. darkens it hard. So she starts to walk away. He reaches out and grabs her, and she turns around with an expert scotch to the face. And all that beautiful whiskey went a waste, except that we're treated to Duncan LaCroix recovering from having said whiskey thrown in his face by letting it rest for a moment and then opening his eyes and looking at her. And then we know what's going to happen. Yeah. I'd like to pause for just a moment. Yeah. So Neil hasn't seen this episode yet, but he just found out that Murta gets his dick wet. And, <laughs> and the face he made was a lot like the face he made when he was dancing about his mac and cheese. <laughs> um, I want to real quick pause and tell a story. Once, this one time, at camping. <laughs> what a reference. Uh Neil and Julie were having an argument that was 90% fake, which is like the classic longtime couple argument, right? Tom and I have one of these a day, it feels like sometimes, where you're just kidding, 
But maybe a teeny tiny part of you is not kidding. I do not even remember the subject. But they're it having... was probably punchy Hawaiian punch guy what he wears on his head. Probably. Okay. <laughs> we have, we come back was... to that argument all the time. So they're having some kind of argument. And then Julie is like, Neil, no! And she th- straight up throws a beer in his face. Or maybe it was whiskey? No, it was beer. Right? And I, Neil is a gentle soul. <laughs> Long-time listeners will know this. Uh, and I watched him do basically what Marta did, only there, I'm, I'm not setting a story up about how Neil and Julie had sex in the middle of the campsite. That's not what's happening. <laughs> but I watched him get so mad and then, like, kind of walk it off. He was just like, so mad! And he just walked away. And Julie fucking spiraled. Like, shame spiral. Where I she did. was like, that, too much, it was too far, it was too far. And then she walks away, and then she comes back. She was like, Neil, Neil, turn around. And he turned around, and she threw a beer in her own face. <laughs> I did. It was very touching. <laughs> and extremely funny. And a waste of beer. It was. <laughs> and that was Spotted Cow. That yeah. was a waste of Spotted, spotted cow. cow. Oh, man. Have but I ever told you this story of when I threw a vodka tonic in Tom's face? Oh, I've heard it many times. It's a good one. <laughs> I've thrown many a drink in many a man's face, but it's never ended in boning. Yet. So what I'm saying is, Chicasta. <laughs> Neil was just like, wait a minute. He's like doing the math in his head. No, she's right. <laughs> so Jocasta and Marta... <clears throat> Take it to the smokehouse. Uh, smash cut to Jocasta <laughs> staring out the window. The smokehouse? <laughs> Just <laughs> nice. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. They they have to do a little pit barbecuing. Yeah. Well, she, she had to go see what was hung out there. Ooh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe it was a little jerky. You know, I see that you like sirloin, <laughs> but I've always been a fan of tenderloin. Ooh, you know what I like? What? Try tip. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking dirty. Oh, you know what's funny is that we went with meat puns because of the roast and not scotch puns, which is the actual food item that gets used here. We could continue with scotch puns. Well, you know, it's it's you like you like a nice barrel age. You know what I like? What is lay? That joke, that was was cask strength. (laughs) You guys, I'm on fucking peat fire. (laughs) (laughs) Sophie. So you guys, right we're already in an hour. Let's bring it back. Okay. Oh, God. <clears throat> Hold on. Is there... Can I just, stick my face in there? Yes. Yeah, you it. can it, scrape it out. Yeah. Give me this. So I'll continue the thing. So the thing is that Murtaugh and Jocasta did it, and it was great. And I'm really... It was hot. And then he kissed her shoulder, and he told her to come back to bed before he kissed her shoulder, mm. and that was hot. And it's it's nice to see, like, kind of older people yeah. having a sensual well, moment. It's also a parallel to another Jamie Claire love scene where they're supposed to go get breakfast. And then he's like, yeah, I am hungry for breakfast. And then it's oral Kinda sex, lingus, right? right? Mm-hmm. And this is just it's just doing it, just regular mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. But where she's like, oh, no, breakfast is waiting. And he's like, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Eat Come this here. sausage. Ooh. How about this banger? Come here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Got so I'll provide the banger and you provide the, the mash. mash. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Just working for that gravy. <laughs> Shit. I'll roast your tomato. Yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. Oh, geez. Then we're back to Roger, Jamie, and Claire on the road. And this is the Oh, actually, scene. you know, there's a like a pretty big in the books thing I want to say. Yes. Remember how I was so ashamed that I didn't get the Murtaugh character right after crowing about how I got the Murtaugh character Oh, that you right? thought it was a replacement for whoever the other yeah. guy was? Right. Um, no, I was correct. Although mm-hmm. it's very different. So in the and I don't want to say too much because it's possible that like something else. But in the books, uh, at a certain point, Jocasta enters a relationship that I will say is not sexual, um, because the char- we find out later that the character <laughs> that the character <laughs> was kicked in the nads by a horse at a young age, and can no longer excuse me can no longer get it up. Ideal man. Just kidding. It's <laughs> really bad. Um, <laughs> yeah, Neil's very confused in your bedroom right now. Yeah, you didn't hear that. That's why I said it so quietly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that character's name is Duncan Innes. Mm-hmm. And you've mentioned this before. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know for sure that he is going to take the very some of the storylines that Duncan Innes takes, but mm-hmm. if he does, I will feel very proud of myself. Mm-hmm. Please be careful on the Bye, sidewalk, dude. okay? Walk safely. Don't drop that gorgeous Mac. Please don't. God, that was so good. Thank you for that, Neil. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Fucking hell. So, <sighs> do you think they're going to be able to continue with Murtaugh for very long, or do you think they're going to have to kill him off like ASAP? Oh, I mean, I would be very surprised if they resurrect him only to save him for one season. Okay. They all the way that the episode ends, they sure as hell make it seem like that's going to be the arc of the right. next season. And I just... That was stupid. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay. So we're back on the road, uh, the road show with Roger, Jamie, and Claire. And this was a really good scene when Roger gets to get his fucking whatever his manly shit is back by beating the shit out of Jamie and Jamie lets him do it <laughs> which is hilarious cuz Jamie's still standing afterwards and Robert well Claire Roger tries to stop him and right. Jamie's like oh no 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 I think he I probably owe him this and Claire's like Fucking dudes. <laughs> you can see it in face. That's another thing where, like, it is totally nonverbal, but she's standing there with her hands on her hips, and she's like, somebody is going to lose a tooth, and we are in the past, and there is nothing I can do about it. Like, what? This is not... If you're going to... Just please don't aim for the kidneys. Like, I don't think you understand how the human body works. <laughs> you don't understand I've been to med school. Why is testosterone like this? Right. But then they wind themselves out. <gasps> Woof, woof. It's a lot of body shots. Roger takes a lot of body shots on Jamie, not a lot of face shots. I mean, hitting the face hurts. He did it once, and I think he realized, ow, that hurts. I don't want to mm. do it again. Because, mm. like, <laughs> like, your face is just mostly bone. Right. So well, it's, it's soft, soft And punches. he does get the face again later yeah. because mm-hmm. he takes another one. Mm-hmm. The last one. Yeah. That's yeah. your last. What, what does he says? Your last unanswered blow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So and then Roger goes, oh fuck! I forgot, I forgot that you're basically a Viking. Yeah, I can't, I can't fight you anymore, cool. Thor, redheaded Thor. So, uh, but then Roger finds out why Jamie beat him up. It was a misunderstanding. I thought you were this guy. 
And then Claire is like, Roger, this is what happened to Bree. Well, and first he says he's relieved because mm-hmm. he thought that, like, that Brianna um, told her dad to go kick the shit out of him for... Because he still hasn't said said why she mm-hmm. was so angry. Um Presumably because he doesn't want to say to the two of them, well, I just didn't want her to warn you that you were going to die in a fire. (laughs) Because that is the fight they had. Right. Was that Roger didn't tell her about the fire. Um, So he says, it's something like, I did think that um, beating me and selling me into slavery was a little extreme, (laughs) even for someone with a hot temper. And then he looks at Jamie like, I wonder where she got that from. Uh, and that is when Claire's like, so this oh, is what Jamie happened. says, yeah, because again, the, J- Jamie has to get a little egg on his face where he's like, oh, you, my daughter was attacked after you fucking left her. Right. She got attacked by Stephen Bonnet. They don't say Stephen Bonnet yet, though. Okay. Because that comes after the first revelation. Right. So <clears throat> Claire's like trying to bring it down, trying to be more like civilized. Like, okay, so Roger, here's what happened. Brie was attacked the night after you left her. And Roger obviously is dumbstruck. She doesn't say the word rate until like two minutes later. And then that also... Jamie says rape. Jamie Jamie says says rape. That's right. And then that hits Roger. So once again, let's talk about Richard Rankin and what a fucking great actor he is. He's so good. good. He was great in the scene because every new wave of revelation changed him. Right in front of our eyes. And then when he's like, it's a man. Was it Jamie that said it was a man named Stephen Bonnet or was it Claire? It was, I think it was Jamie. When he was saying, when he said raped, mm-hmm. then he also said, Ooh. yeah, woof. And the moment when Roger realized it was Stephen Bonnet was lights out great. Because mm-hmm. obviously he'd already had so much experience with this horrible person. There's this feeling that when you have like an incredible shock sometimes you feel like a like a burst of adrenaline so powerful that it's in your face have you Mm -hmm. ever felt that where it's like a light goes off in your face and it looked like that like Mm -hmm. that is what it looked like um and then when jamie finds out that that Roger knows him too. And he says, he, I ran into Stephen Bonnet, forced me back on his boat, basically saying, this is why I didn't immediately go back to her. Is this Mm -hmm. happened to me? Then Sam gets one of those too, because it's another thing to add to his list of reasons why he should have fucking killed Stephen Bonnet, which is a debatable position, but is very much in keeping with that character. Like, you know that Jamie Fraser is silently keeping a tally of everyone whose life is damaged because he made the wrong decision in one moment in the middle of the night in a road and Mm -hmm. like outside of a cemetery because he made that decision. His friend died. His wife was traumatized. Ian was traumatized. Rollo was traumatized. She lost her ring, and then he raped his daughter. And then Myrta wound up in prison, and now we know Rogers and like all. And that's not counting all of the people along the way that we don't know about whose lives are being damaged by this person that he didn't mm-hmm. kill. Um, which I th- every once in a while I have a little bit of an issue with the way that Jamie is written, not portrayed. I think Sam does a great job, but. Every once in a while, I have a little writing quibble, but that was exactly who this character is because mm-hmm. it is tied to an inexorable sense of right and wrong mm-hmm. that does not allow for the fact that maybe 
killing people is wrong because yeah. in Jamie's <laughs> point of view, like that is not wrong. Yeah. Me, what he wants to do is not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very like, a, yeah, it's a, it was a good moment is what I'm saying. And then Claire tells Roger that Brie is pregnant and that by the time they get back, she will have already given birth. And, and he, he automatically assumes my baby. And she goes, it may not be yours. And then fucking Richard Rankin. He's so good. I, I'm i real close to giving him the pimple moose. Well, that's... See? I know, I know. But then later, there's something else that happens mm-hmm. that cements the platinum pimple moose for John Bell. We'll talk about this next week, but I think the the real Richard Rankin platinum pimple moose conversation is going to be in the season MVP. Mm-hmm. That's I'll interesting. I'll just say that. What okay. the fuck is this? What? I'm just looking at what John Bell's like uh, photo is, like his primary photo for his uh, IMDb. Mm-hmm. It's him as a child looking at a seal and shining rainbows. <laughs> I don't know if he's the one who chose that, but I fucking I love, love that that's that the situation. Is awesome. I love you. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> he, uh, we've this has come up in other podcasts for sure, but every once in a while, when I just really love John Bell, I just want to go this. Guys are made of diamonds, which is the line he has in an episode of Doctor Who where he plays a cute kid who dies. <laughs> the skies are made of diamonds. And he's like, teeny tiny. Is that, the, is that the one where there's a monster and it's the diamond world kind of thing? No, it's the one where um, uh, Derek Jacoby is the master Ooh. and the people are all right, going to Utopia. Oh, yeah. And there's a kid like running errands. Yeah. Shave game. Shave game. The skies are made of diamonds. And then later, when they figure out that all the people are dead, it's because they recognize tiny baby John Bell's voice. (laughs) John Bell, huge fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. I know. And also, incredibly fashionable on red carpets. He is a really good Instagram follow, guys. John Mm Bell. A plus. So while Roger and Jamie are fighting, this is before the conversation about pregnancy, we get to see Wien's mohawk gauntlet so they send we in through the same thing they sent roger through where they have the tunnel of people and they're beating him and trying to stop him but we in is fully bodily able to do it well, and, and also you, can, you see this switch go off where he's like he gets clocked and then he's like no fuck this i'm fighting back and then he fights back for a while and then he's buried under some switches and then he's like no fuck it i'm fighting back again he does a couple of things where he like jumps over a dude and then crawls under a dude like he's just canny he's smart he's got that jenny murray blood is what i'm saying oh it's the jenny murray he's blood got for that sure. jenny from the lollybrock in him and he gets all the way through the gauntlet and touches the chief's toe and everyone's like Welcome to the Mohawk, bitch. And now he belongs to the tribe. <laughs> then they all start kind of like yipping. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, they're making a celebratory noise. And he's looking around and he's shocked. And then he's happy. And then he's really happy. And then he makes the noise. And it's mm-hmm. very cool. Is that the other scene you were talking about? That was it. Yeah. So that happens. And then we go back to when they tell Roger that Bree is pregnant, whatever. And he says, oh, there's another stone circle. And Claire's like, what? what, what? Mm-hmm. And he goes, somewhere between here and Fraser's Ridge. And we were like, mm, I don't know, the eastern seaboard? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's somewhere between here and Fraser's Ridge. <laughs> like, that's just well, he, So he, which state? He says that when, uh, he says that before he finds out about the child. Uh, I have that the gauntlet and the fight were happening at the same time. Because uh, I think that's the way they filmed it. He that, somehow yeah. hid... Did you uh, see like that a little I did scissors? You did totally do yeah. He hit a little, like, <laughs> bundle with these two gemstones in it this whole time. I don't know how. Up his butt. Up his butt. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? We got nature's pocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag a woman's secret. Nature's, nature's trunk. We've got nature's <laughs> You're right. Pocket. We got nature's pocket. They got nature's trunk. Yeah, I mean, well, we've got every, both. Everybody has nature's trunk. Yeah. Only there's just like two changes of clothes and a pile of headshots in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Was, that was my L.A. life. That was such a good description. Of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. That's good. So <laughs> nature's pocket is where you keep, like, snacks. And gloves. And cocaine. <laughs> and then we uh, flash back to River Run where Brianna's given birth. We're skipping something. What a are we big skipping? moment, and it's a moment from the book. Go. Because it's a line I really love. Mm-hmm. Well, Roger has this f- reaction, mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm, when, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when Claire tells him it might not be his. And Jamie is like pissed. Figure it out, right? Yeah. He says, you cost me a lad I loved well. And I will not have you come back to my daughter as a coward. I will not have you break her heart again. Basically, mm-hmm. right? So you will decide now. And then Claire's like, he says, and then Roger says something else. And um, he reacts to the word coward. He's like, coward. And then he's he like, punches he's like, him. Yeah. And he says, your That's last unanswered, unanswered blow. blow. Uh, and Roger says, it's too much. This is too much, which fair. Yes. I That's want, I need time. And Claire is like, dude, we beat the shit out of him and sold him. And now we found out that his wife got raped. And is pregnant and might be having a baby like uh, Circa now. <laughs> and it might not be his. He can take some time. And Jamie's like, grumble, grumble, grumble. And then he throws his cutlery on his plate. And he's like, hey, grumble, grumble, grumble. Uh, and so may, is he going? Should he stay or should he go now? I don't know. We it's, cut to River Run. Yep. Where Brianna is squeezing out a baby. Fucking on a toilet out of chair. nature's pocket. It really does look like a toilet chair, though. Like, she's holding on to the edge. God damn it. First of all, I just want to say, I'm glad I made the choice never to have kids. I support all of you beautiful people who did. Thank you so much. Please raise good children and don't be dick bags. But no, every time I see childbirth in a film, whatever, I'm just like, that just seems terrible. Yep. Like, I don't want to do that. Nope. Nope. That's bad. Don't want to do it. Um, but also, like I mentioned, Claire is there in the books. Um, here mm-hmm. they give Phaedra some experience in medicine, mm-hmm. which is not a thing that happens in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because we also, we skipped past a scene, like a real brief scene of Brianna being oh, yeah, very down in the dumps. Right. Um, very down in the dumps and, and, uh, Phaedra is telling her where the baby is situated. And that's when we see her totally acceptable drawing of River Run where she's like, this is so bad. This is terrible. And like, girl, compared to your drawing of Roger, it's great. It's, so it's a masterpiece. <laughs> so good. Um, but here she is just sweaty in a shift, pooping a baby out. It's terrible. Probably took like 48 hours. No painkillers. The good old days. So we see that. And then <clears throat> she gives birth and it is a little boy. And we're all like trying to look at this baby, trying to figure out, is it Roger? Well, she is wakes Stevens? up in a bed in a fabulous robe. Yeah. That robe was tight. And Jocasta says, well, he's a boy and I counted his fingers and toes myself. And, and I'm like, I don't trust you. You're blind. Did you feel him all? She, of course she felt them all. Okay, I'm just <laughs> Julie! Saying. I'm just saying. She couldn't see him. What if she counted one twice? She's, she knows what she's doing. She, I, all right, I trust your costume. She can like navigate her own house without a cane and shit. You're right, but she's she never v- leaves it. She's fine. She does too. She's fine. Okay, she can successfully <laughs> count fingers and toes. You're right. You're right. Uh. 
Anyway, she says, if you're ready to meet him, we'll bring him in. And Brianna says, yes, I'm ready. And then there's this really beautiful shot of um, uh, Claire, or not Claire, sorry, Brianna sitting up in bed and Phaedra's on one side, Jocasta's on the other, and it's framed really beautifully. Also, the moment right before they brought the baby in was really good for Sophie because she has that moment where she has to uh, steal herself to be able to look at this baby, which, as I said... And then when they're that new, they're nuggety, and you can't really tell, yeah. like, provenance. <laughs> now, if it had come out, I'm recycling a joke from the live stream, I am sorry. But if it had come out with no teeth but one ruby, we would have like, known. Fucking Stephen Bonnet. Bonnet Bond. kid. No. And that was after Julie said, well, if it came out with a beard, we would know. Yeah, it's like, would, if, if, oh, all we know is Jr. just got a little hair on its face, then we know who it is. But she obviously falls right in love with her baby immediately. It's a good little scene. And it's nice. And then Jamie and Claire get back from on the road. Well, we do a jump in time. Mm-hmm. Um, because Bri- the baby is bigger. Right. We have a little scene with Murta, mm-hmm. um, where he's talking about, I don't know, this, that, and the other thing. And, mm-hmm. and then Phaedra comes running in and says, uh, there, there are, are writers. two writers and one of them is your mother. And so Brianna picks up her baby and goes running out of the front of the house and she looks so happy and she looks down the sidewalk, whatever the fuck, and there's no Roger. And this is maybe my favorite piece of acting Sophie Skelton has done in the whole series. Mm-hmm. This one uh, wordless scene. Um, so, so no accent to worry about. Uh, but you see her like <laughs> being shocked and then terrified that he's dead and then living in this dreadful interpretation and then they walk up and Claire looks so sad and she just gets sadder and then Jamie says he's, he's alive. alive and the look it's like relief and then shock and, and then, then a why completely the fuck is here? different kind of heartbreak like you see two different kinds of total devastation mm-hmm. it's, it's good shit there was one moment too where she looked further down the road to see if he just was trailing yeah, behind them. which was something where you're just like oh my god like all Oof. the hope and like disillusionment was it was palpable it was really good and then uh, uh, we learned in the the little after party if you will mm-hmm. that um, that was originally supposed to be the end of the episode as Bree says where's Roger and blackout black. you know what Doom. I literally would have thrown my television out of my window I would have been like no oh look it oh they're so sweet what are they saying let's find out let's hold find on out. hold on it's Sophie Skelton and Richard Rankin on a little video here Retweeted by Kiki the, the Wise. Okay. No, oh, that's not right. This is right. This is it. This is it. It's the Outland the season four finale. Oh my god. What? No, it doesn't work. What? Oh, I forgot about Oops. that bit. Spoiler. Yeah, so excited. It's the finale. You guys can uh, tweet along with us using the hashtag Outlander Finale. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy it. Thanks, guys. That was cute. Yeah, cute kids. So then we cut to Murtaugh telling Jamie, like, Jamie enters River Run, and he's uh, Murtaugh's all like, <clears throat> over here, buddy, over here. Um, I just want you to know that Stephen Bonnet is dead. Um, the jail blew up, and we left, so he's dead. And I'm like, not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Murtaugh. It's like he's never seen a movie before. Right. <laughs> and then there's um, a scene where they're in the living room and the cute baby is being passed around, but Bree's not around. And Claire's like, I'm, I'm going to go check in on Bree. So we know that Bree is sad and upset. 
And God then we it. cut and then we cut to a dinner scene at River Run where there is Jamie and Claire with a chair in between them. Very empty. Aunt Jocasta at the head of the table and Berta on the other side, and everyone's kind of like bummed out and just eating this roast. And then Brianna... <laughs> Literally, not metaphorically. No, no. At one point, there's this big bowl in the middle of the table, and Allison was like, is that a tamale? It was corn. But then next to it was an enormous, the biggest soup tureen we've ever seen. Allison's yeah. like, well, how about that tureen? Yeah. That's very large. So a soup. Lobster bisque. Lots of soup. Uh, probably crawfish bisque. That's what I'm going to get. Anyway, Patty. So um, Brie comes down, and we see that she's trying to rejoin the family like she's trying to get over it and then um the next morning she's doing what is she doing in her room like is that are people getting ready to leave for fraser's ridge is that the whole thing yeah yeah so claire says we i'm gonna take you home and their little scene together she's oh, right. gonna take I, you home you'll be surrounded by family that love you and we will take care of you and mm-hmm. brie looks grateful and so yeah so they're mm-hmm. preparing to set off for fraser's ridge so brianna is in her room folding up all her clothes she looks out the window what does she see Rider on the road. Allison is like, it's, <laughs> it's just it's the post. Mailman. It's just a mailman. <laughs> Come on. Or it could be Lord John. I mean, Lord John probably would have come in a fancy fucking carriage. I'm going to say he would have been in a carriage. So Brianna looks out and she's like, hold up, bitch. And she runs downstairs and runs down the driveway. I know it's not called a driveway back then. And then it's Roger. And they make out. And it's nice. And they're together again. I teared up during that. It was very good. good And then all of a sudden, what do we see? Those coats. Those coats. <laughs> a whole bunch of those coats. Bree tries to make a break for You can see him coming from it. a really long ways away because they're those coats. Those coats. You, we knew that wasn't the mailman because of those, those coats. coats. Um, Bree tries to make a run for it to like warn somebody, but Roger's like, hey, wait, bitch, wait, wait, we can't run a horse. the best part of their scene together. Which was? Which is the one where you went. Oh, yeah. So they, they're kissing oh. and they're smooching and she's basically eating his me face. To my son. And she doesn't say, where the fuck are you? <laughs> Which I would have. But then they break apart, and he says, the band. Mm-hmm. She says, it's a, it's a boy. It's a boy. And he says, take me to my son. Yeah. Oh. And we're like, oh. Here's a little in the books thing. I'll keep yeah. it short. Um, the way this scene plays out in the books is they're already back on the ridge. It takes a while. Um, it takes a while and they're back on the ridge and the baby is like bouncing on her knee and they're just in the house and she's basically given up on him ever coming back. And, um, all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and they open the door and it's Roger mm-hmm. and he walks in and he just is staring at Brianna. He doesn't look at anybody else and he walks up and he looks at the baby and he, t- then he turns to Jamie and he says, I did not care for you very much, but you're the closest th- you're the closest relation I have because he's a Mackenzie. Remember, mm-hmm. I would appreciate it if you would watch this vow or consecrate this vow or something. And Jamie is like, okay. And he cuts his hand and he rubs his thumb or something across the baby's forehead. So there's blood in his forehead. And he says like, I'm taking this as he is my own, taking Mm -hmm. him as my own, like with the blood. And Brianna's just like staring at his face and it's a very tense little scene. Um, but basically Roger comes in and very formally like claims the baby using blood. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that this is an improvement. It's a good scene. And specifically Mm -hmm. the, 
the little moment between Roger and Jamie is good because Roger's like, fuck you, but just in case you've forgotten, you're my 19th cousin. So I'm going to need you to stand here and do this thing because I don't have any other family here and fuck you, watch me claim this baby as my own. Watch this. Instead, he just says, take me to my son. Oh. Yeah, that was really nice. And then those coats. And they ride up to the house and Bree tries to make a break for it to go tell somebody and Roger's like, no, no, no. You're not going to beat those horses. And they get up there, and then everybody's like, Murtaugh, and specifically Joe, Jocasta's like, hey, go hide in the slaves' quarters. You're gone. <laughs> and then Jamie, I don't know, somehow it must have just not come up, because Jamie is like, what? You see him be like, I'm sorry, is that ha- is that a thing? There was like a moment where they maybe touch each other a little bit, or she touches his face, and Jamie's like, up and down, up Excuse and down. Excuse me? Shady. <laughs> and then... He runs, Murtaugh runs away, and the Redcoats come in, and they're like, we need to see James Fraser. And James like, James like, yeah, 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 I'm here. We have a letter for you. And he's like, okay, give me a letter. And then they leave. And it's kind of like, all right, well, that was a lot of buildup for nothing. Well, it's a direction to form a militia. So Mm -hmm. this, some of this is book stuff. One of the big developments is that people keep showing up on the ridge, giving Jamie letters. It's like, hey, it's time for you to do what I'm paying you with this massive plot of land for and lead an army on my behalf. Mm-hmm. And it, this isn't the first, I mean, this isn't the last time that this will happen where he mm-hmm. is directed to form a militia. Um, however, the I'm tasked with finding and killing the fugitive. Marta Fitzgibbons? And he takes the glasses off before he says Marta Fitzgibbons, and then it's black. it goes oh, to black, and, and we were like, no. And the camera, like, slowly zooms in on his face as he's going, Marta Fitzgibbons? No, it's it was like, terrible. Bush, I have no objection to that being at least part of an arc for next season. It makes perfect sense to me. I have no objection to that being in the letter, even. Mm-hmm. But it feels like a weird thing to end on like it feels like an unnecessary cliffhanger it's a little bit like the end of mario brothers when the princess knocks down the door and says you have to come back no (laughs) (laughs) i can't go back that far i didn't play that many video games i uh, I like that movie by the way i think here's here's my real problem with it (laughs) i think that that it's implied that if jamie has to go to war against the regulators that that is a conflict in this relationship Mm -hmm. Um, but also the bigger story development is that they have this sort of idyllic place that they're living and war is intruding, not that I have to figure out a way to not hunt my godfather. Right. Right. Like Jamie has to, and we know that the American revolution is coming. So this is like the beginning of the stirrings of war. It's the seeds of this massive conflict that's going to, because as they say in the little after the show thing, it's, you have to accept this offer. You have to make a deal with the devil and, the task that's ahead of them is they have to stay on the right side of the law for long enough and then know when to switch so that they're not on the wrong side of history. Right. Like they have to be on the right side of the law and the right side of history. And these are in conflict. Mm-hmm. So that is actually much more interesting to me than, oh, I have to hunt Murta. Yeah. Right. That feels like they thought they needed a cliffhanger at the end, where really the cliffhanger is we have this beautiful, happy moment. Brianna and Roger reunited. We're going back to the ridge. No, wait, we're not, because Jamie has to go to war. Mm-hmm. So that is sort of where we are headed. And I think the Murta thing is implied. Right. So, I, right. You didn't need to add that. Yeah. It's a development. And it, it, it'll it be cool and smart. 
Um, I think I really think I ultimately feel very optimistic about this season finale as a, um, an indicator of where the show is headed, but mm-hmm. that need to like, Ooh, to put a little Ooh on everything is not, no, not necessary. You need to, yeah, I hate the term prestige TV, but Outlander's being made with so much money and the writers are good. Really? You know that they're good writers. It, Every time there's a line like that, it doesn't seem like bad writing. It seems like they think that they're writing for a bad audience. It mm-hmm. really feels like condescending Like somebody wanted that, right. Yeah. Like somebody needed like that Like nobody wrap in the up. room was like, you know what's going to be make me feel really proud of my career track? This line. <laughs> no. It's... No. No. Anyway. All right. Well, that's the end of the finale. It was pretty good. I think it's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean... I was telling Allison and Janine earlier that season four definitely felt much shorter, shorter to me than season three time-wise. And I, I don't know if it's because there wasn't a break or just because it was better. But here we are. Yeah, um, it snuck up on me too. Yeah, it, it, it went really quickly this time. So, costumes. This mm. is our first episode in the post-Terry Dressback era because she shared that this episode last week was her last episode. Mm-hmm. So... I think to a certain degree, though, like, we're still... We're, oh, we'll still keep living oh, in yeah. her world we'll because... Her world. And, and even even this episode, I don't think, didn't have fruits of her labor. Oh, of course. And that, yeah. if whoever it is that takes over follows the what she's set up, yeah. um, they... Outlander, more than almost any other show I can think of, has people recycle clothing. And in mm-hmm. this case, it's after, like, fucking decades because clothing was really expensive and really valuable. Mm-hmm. And you treated it well so that it could last a long time. It's not mm-hmm. like we go to Target and buy a novelty T-shirt we're only going to wear once because we think it's funny. Mm-hmm. This is like you buy something and then you keep it for as long as you can doing whatever you can to maintain it. And then it gets handed down. Mm-hmm. Um so like, that's why we're seeing Brianna wearing so many of Claire's clothes. It's why clothes that Claire wore in France, she then also wore in Jamaica, uh, all that kind of stuff. So we will see if they keep to that precedent, which I hope they do. We'll see it again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there were some great costumes. The Chief's costume, the Chief's costume that like vivid blue, mm-hmm. really beautiful. Uh, and you could tell like that is an expensive piece of clothing mm-hmm. uh, just because of the way it looks. It doesn't look hand-dyed. It's like they mm-hmm. got that from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so costumes. On a scale of... Mm, Low end? Yeah. I'm Jim t- Carrey, liar, liar. <laughs> Why? Just because it's shitty. That entire movie is just browns. Just everything brown, is brown, all brown. everything is kind of brown. It's yeah. all like very neutral lawyer. Like all right. And the high end, we're going to do Mad Men because I've got recycling clothes on the brain. And okay. People rewore clothes a lot. Yeah. In okay. Mad Men. I'm gonna go. Ooh. It might be a little too fabulous, but I think I'm going to do it anyway, just because I'm feeling expansive right now. Okay. I'm going to go Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Ooh. You know, we've used that before, but I'm happy to return to it. It's just an incredibly costumed film. Yeah, that's great. And the costumes are for a reason. And I think that that follows suit here. So that's what I'm going with. Just because of the scale, I want to use this movie, Road to Perdition. Ooh, yeah. Ah. That also is kind of a very neutral palette, though. Yeah, but like, you know, when there's blood. Ooh. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's blood. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> like, okay. And, like, they use the color in a way that, like, is very, like, it's purpo- it is purposeful. Mm-hmm. It is a neutral film, but, like, as far as all that goes, just because of the time period. But mm-hmm. when there's violence, that violence is very apparent. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's not what this episode's about, but, like, you know, when there's color, there's color. And mm-hmm. it's done really well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with... That's a good film. <laughs> Fuck you. You know what? I think the costumes were great. So I'm going to go to the top of the scale, and I'm going to just pick Mad Men. But here's right. why. Because it's always really significant when a woman wears pants. Oh, yes. Well done. Excellent. I, that's great. Yeah, yeah. That's excellent. All right. We're going to skip the doing it scale, because there is zero doing it. There is some um, face-eating. Oh, oh, shame on me. <laughs> How could I forget? How did you forget the smoke house? <laughs> I prefer the barbecue pit. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, there wasn't anyone else in the room, so definitely right. wasn't a spit roast. So let's go. <laughs> Damn. Let's go from. Uh, the scene in a Muppet Christmas Carol where Miss Piggy is turning the tiny chicken over the fire repeatedly, mm-hmm. and the. And the poor tiny frog is very mad because it takes forever and his arms hurt. And also it's really hot. Mm-hmm. And he just keeps turning it. That tiny chicken. To the end of The Muppet Christmas Carol where Michael Caine tells the tiny rabbit to go get the giant turkey out of the window. And they will bring it. <laughs> and it's twice the size of Tiny Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your options. Well, uh, if, we're going, if we're going meat... I've got two. I think, you know what? I know what I'm going with. Great. Have you ever seen the Swedish film Babette's Feast? Yes. Good choice. I'm going to go with the meal at the end of Babette's Feast because you have to go through so much to get to it. I don't want to ruin this film for you because you should probably watch it at some point, Mm -hmm. but it's this French woman who gets dropped into this tiny, very dour like Swedish town Mm -hmm. and then cooks this incredible feast for people who've never eaten real food of flavor. Oh. And then they all have this experience together where they all eat this meal and then they, I'm just saying it's nice. And it's like, you had to get there and earn it much like Pamplemousse and Joe (laughs) had to get there and earn it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, you guys watch Babette's Feast. I'm going to go with... (laughs) I'm going to go with Tracy Jordan's Meat Machine (laughs) from 30 Rock because it might not be a good idea, but they're selling the hell out of it. (laughs) What about... Yeah, meat is the new bread. (laughs) Can I... I I have my choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The meat dress that Lady Gaga wore. Oh! Splashy, fancy, out of nowhere. And would look better on my floor. (laughs) Or, yeah. On the spit. Okay. So, we've done costumes and doing it. Get up to get a beer. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel that need. I mean, granted, we're not drinking, but I wouldn't have. No. Um, I would say the only time where I felt like maybe I didn't really have to be there was the um, Otter Tooth flashback, but whatever. That wasn't that bad. I'm just going to say that this finale... 
against the season three finale is just <clears throat> miles away. You know, we were very hard on that finale, and I stand it by it. It was terrible. But there were good moments in that finale. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. left tenant. Lennart. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you know, DC versus Marvel. I mm-hmm. think is a really good example. We got we got Aquaman last year, and this year we got um, a Captain America film that felt great. But you know, we've seen mm-hmm. some of these pieces, but it's still mm-hmm. good, really mm-hmm. good. What? <laughs> I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna stand by my description. I think that <laughs> what he's saying is, is that Marvel was this is to the season four finale is what DC is to the season three finale. Because we had uh, Aquaman. I don't want to describe it. I think I did a good job. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Just breeze past me. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But but we also got Marvel movies last year. But this... But, I mean... Well, yeah. (laughs) It wasn't a good one once we started diving into this. Speaking of diving in... (laughs) Aquaman. Swimming under the hurricane to kiss her at the end of season three will never be forgiven. Oh. See, Aquaman. Yeah. I get it now. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's the... Okay. Okay. It was terrible. Okay. This one was not... Okay. I think that this episode was not as good as the episode before it. Yeah. Because Richard Rankin was so incredible in episode 13. Uh, sorry, episode 12. But uh, this finale was 10 times better than the season three finale. Yeah. That's how I feel. I, in fact, season four overall was just better than season three. <laughs> I want to talk you through my real brief train of thought. Yeah. I was thinking, I'm thinking through the other finales. Well, season one finale, extremely hard to watch, but good moments. Season two finale, that's also really hard to watch. And then my brain remembered what happens after the events of the season two finale, which is actually the season one, be- season two beginning, because we find out what happened to Claire. And the season two premiere is Claire... <laughs> Screaming at Natty, Screaming dude. Screaming at the Natty, dude. It makes me laugh every time. Oh, what? Who won? What year is it? Who won? Yeah. Excuse me, madam. I'm just going to drive away now. Would you like a ride? <laughs> All right, we did it. Scales, everything. We, we got one more thing. What was it? Platinum Pentacles. Oh, plan, uh, John Bell, for me. Yeah? We in. Yeah. I mean, Roger had some fucking great moments. Uh, Sophie Skelton Bree had some great moments. Sam, Sam Hewen yeah. had, like, two really, really good moments. But John Bell, not only in the moment where he barters himself to the mohawk, but also the gauntlet, like every, like he wins. You know, you don't see, you don't see pure unadulterated joy too Mm -hmm. too often in the show either. And Mm -hmm. like he, he did great. He like, in a way I can't think of him outside of this character. Like, I think Mm -hmm. he's so, he, he really enjoyed what he did. My Mm -hmm. um, background noise of choice at the moment is Jane Austen audiobooks. (laughs) Of varied narrators. I've got lots of versions of things at this point, and I just keep rotating through them. And there's this line in Sense and Sensibility where they're talking about um, Edward, the the Hugh Grant character, how mm-hmm. after his proposal, he's the happiest man in the world, and it's that's more true than it usually is because he was moved not from suspense to happiness, but from despair to happiness. So Ian thought that he was going to be Dogface 2.0. Right. And then is moved to 
like a new life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one that they've established very early on that he finds fascinating. Yeah. Right. Um, and that he connects with his own upbringing, that he sees the similarities between the way that Native Americans are living and their struggles in what in the colonies at that point, like what they were fighting for and what they were experiencing and the ways they were misunderstood to his life in Scotland. And he mm-hmm. can connect those and with the Imperial's boot on the neck and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, he thinks he's going to have an incredibly miserable, painful life and that is what he volunteered for. And instead he is welcomed in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a great moment. And that's mm-hmm. what that just made me think of was not from, suspense to happiness but from despair to happiness yeah. mm-hmm. it's a good moment yeah I have a hard time not I think I mean I agree with you I think that Richard Rankin was great I also think Maria Doyle Kennedy was great yes mm-hmm. um, those few scenes she have are like ins and outs like lots of little tiny things and you sort of get the sense that like the way that she's lashing out at him when she throws that drink in his face is because she thought he was there to see her and instead now he thinks right. it right. And and then you sort of connect that with, well, you were always around when she, so has she always kind of had a thing for Murtaugh? And that was, mm-hmm. it's very layered. Um, so she is a, she and Richard Rankin are like a strong joint run, and Sophie, right. um, are like a strong joint runner up for me. But yeah, I agree. John Bell. Yep. Great episode for him. Yep. What about you, Janine? Oh yeah, John Bell all the way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I mean, I'll I'll give it to uh, Pants just so I can see her later because yeah. I think she was. Super I'm great hoping too. for more Pants. Yeah. I, I, I Pants would like was to pretty see great. Again. All right. Yeah. Well, we're not going to do any big season wrap up now because we are doing that next Saturday. It'll be this Saturday when you're listening to February it. February the second. February the second. The Oasis Bar. What's the address, Julie? Sixty-eight oh nine North Sheridan Road, Rogers Park, six oh six two six. Sheridan and Pratt. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be there at noon. I will guess probably for about two hours. Mm -hmm. It'll be my first drink of 2019. Uh, I'm very excited about that. So please come. We'll do our usual thing where we're rolling D20s. We'll make damn fools of ourselves in Mm -hmm. a new Mm -hmm. environment. But I'm sure they will have empirical beer there. They almost always do. They will. Mm-hmm. So you can even if you want that. But please come join us. I will say that this venue is definitely 21 and up. So if you are under 21, unfortunately, you cannot join us this time. Um, empirical, I think, for our events, just didn't really card. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, it's more, the Oasis... They like kids and stuff there, too. Yeah. So like, yeah. The yeah. Oasis is um, not that place. The yeah. Oasis is, like, tiny child-friendly. Um, but they are close enough to a college that they absolutely cannot fuck with anybody being under 21 so mm-hmm. don't even try it just please don't if yeah. the oasis gets shut down my life is over so <laughs> it would be terrible like, so yeah don't um we will do another event soon mm-hmm. um yeah and, and then we'll talk about the whole season and then we've got a couple of cool ideas we've got dude lander coming up we've got another fun idea coming up for when i'm i have a work trip to california in february and julie and janine are gonna do an episode without me that i'm very excited about i like this idea which I think you will find in. out about yeah. we've got some bonus episodes to roll out so lots of good stuff coming uh i want to thank everybody who listens to the show and everybody who chimed in this season we had some really great conversations with listeners this season on our slack channel on facebook on twitter um uh, all over the place. So thank you for listening. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast on Twitter at podlandercast on Instagram sometimes, but only ever on my account, uh, which I mostly don't use. So it's kind of a waste of time, but I'm not going to stop saying it because now it's a bit, uh, you can also support us on Patreon where I just shared a picture of Sophie on her podcast chair. She has to be here. She, it's she very would nice. Meow. She would walk around and meow if she didn't have her own seat. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, 
on the Patreon, you get access to our episodes early. You get bonus episodes, um, of which we are being sort of lax at releasing, so we got to get some of those out. Uh, some other things, occasionally, that's where we do our live streams. We'll do, like, behind-the-scenes pictures and stuff. Uh, we want to thank all of our patrons uh, who are all amazing and wonderful, and I'm slightly stalling because I navigated away from our current patrons, uh, which we have some new ones. Which is cool. I don't know if we have any at this level, but let's find out. Um, You guys, our show is growing, and that's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's thank everybody who tells their friends. Thank you. Yeah, Uh, and if you uh, leave us a review on iTunes Mm -hmm. or Stitcher, your podcast app of choice, that always really helps. The reviews make us laugh really hard. We We forward them to ourselves, and then we just giggle, and and they make us so happy. So Mm -hmm. please do that, and it really helps the show and all of that stuff. Thank you to all of our patrons, but in particular, Amanda Newton, Amy Gustafson, Anne Gavin, Anne Gibson, Beth Locke, Kara Marlowe, Katie Kirshner, Chantel Daniels, Crystal Nanavati, Dr. J, Aaron Yitzi, Flourish Root, Friday Payton, Heather Moore, Ida with an I, Jenna Polkowski, Jen Lander Drunklin, Catherine Marshall Eastman. <laughs> At this point, it's kind of the bit. <laughs> Kiki the, the Wise, Lori McGuire, Mary Lumpkin, Meredith M, Meredith Audrey, Molly Layton, Rachel Townsend, yep, Ruth McCormick, <laughs> Chantel Salters, Steph Peter. <laughs> Tanner Cole, Tara Lucchino, Trish McCrary, Viv Pickles, and Kathleen Moniz. Hi, Hi Mom. Mom. Uh, y'all are the best. We will be talking about the season in full next week. Please come join us. It's going to be so fun. Bye. Bye. Bye.